0: Hey guys, welcome. We're your hosts, Hayley Young and Amy Keeble. Our heart is to encourage you, add joy to your life and be a small reminder that you're not in this crazy motherhood journey alone. We have each other and most importantly, we have God, every moment, every day. This is our village. Hey Hayley, how are you? I'm good, Amy, how are you doing? I am good, thank you. I am just feeling quite good i guess because i've just come off out of a week of having covid i finally got it or it finally got to me (laughs) coming up on on the other
1: side of it that Mm -hmm. is amazing that you're feeling better
0: Mm -hmm.
1: crazy that you finally got it that sounds like it's a good thing that you've been waiting for crazy that it happened though it's (laughs) just been
0: a long time that neither of us have had it so yeah you guys still haven't had it and ben and i have had if you haven't listen to our other intros um we've had like just so many close contacts that we're like wait yeah. how how did we not get it we we're just like yep this is our time and then no yeah. and it was, so yeah. wild isn't it so we're yeah. th- we're through it which through it. You've i'm grateful for, for
1: yes yeah well i'm very glad to hear that you're doing well everyone's Doing well on the up. Yes. Free from your house now. Thank you, that's everybody. Good. All of the good things. Wow, that's a big week. And mm-hmm. we had a big weekend as a country. We had the election on this mm-hmm. weekend.
0: It's a big time. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff happening. It has been a big weekend, yeah. Mm. And yeah. I won't get political, but <laughs> I will say that it's been, I think it's pretty cool to see um, so many women win. Seats. Mm. Um, mm. It seems like more than I don't know statistically what it is, but uh, but it seems like t- it's a really good, healthy change. So That's awesome. yay to those women! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. We actually have had a big week as well because last weekend Blair and I got away for the first time in a long time together. Amazing! Alone. So it was good. amazing. We we went to Brisbane. um We kind of had a multi-purpose weekend away, so we got the weekend away, which was a late celebration for our anniversary. And also my sister's had a baby and she's living in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So we went up to visit her, which is awesome. But so good. it was the worst weekend <laughs> to visit <laughs> Brisbane for two reasons. Why? One, it rained the whole time uh. and that was, they had all the flooding warning and stuff. I, and I think they had flooding in different parts of Queensland. Um, so it was so damp. It wasn't pouring, which was good because we could still get around, but just everything was damp mm. the whole time. Two, we booked flights for that weekend because it was the cheapest weekend for flights
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then we looked for hotels and the cheapest hotel i could find was 750 dollars a night what? and the airbnbs were all like the only ones available near where we needed to be were all these like share this like there's a, a spare bedroom in my apartment kind of thing like not
0: was a singular area up?
1: i was looking online so much like what is happening in brisbane i was like your hotel's expensive all the time because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and, then, and I couldn't find any answers. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the airport, the taxi driver told me that they had two NRL games there that weekend and they take their NRL very seriously. Uh... And I think I was like, we have games all the time in Melbourne. And I know that there'd probably be some element of like prices being bumped up or something. But Blair pointed out that um, they don't have as many regular games up there. So when they do, uh... and then there's two in a weekend. <sighs> It was so expensive. And I was like, well, you know what? It's our anniversary. We haven't gone away for a while. At least we know that we'll be in a really nice hotel. But it was not. It was just a plain hotel. <laughs> I've I've stayed in places that were expensive, but still cheaper than this, but expensive, that were stunning. So you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this is awesome. Yeah. Or I've stayed in places that were way cheaper than this and way nicer. Like Crown in Melbourne, oh. which is kind of where we normally stay we're here in Melbourne. That's like so much less expensive per night and way nicer. And I just was so, I, I really had an attitude problem the whole weekend. So I was like, I'm just so mad at how, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's just not right. that Just because you can boost your prices up I doesn't mean that. it's a right thing to do when your hotel's <laughs> not even worth the money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I was a bit of a cranks, but it was a beautiful weekend. I'm glad to and go we went. <laughs> and by the end of it, I did really like set aside my attitude. But it was, it was a... Yeah, it wasn't as smooth as I kind of had hoped or yeah. planned
0: or dreamed, but it was good. I can't complain uh, too much. You, yeah, a lot went on there. Well, this week's episode, we have mm-hmm. a return a we guest. Did. So we have Sheila Gregoire, and this time with her husband, Keith, who is yeah. a doctor and yeah. um, If you missed our last episode with Sheila, she spoke about her book, The Great Sex Rescue, and um, she's just released a new book that she's redone um, called The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, and he has written the first edition of Mm. The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. So we're so grateful um, to be able to have Sheila back on the podcast because she is just uh-huh. um, a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and resource, and she's doing so much great work to yeah. make this a um, healthy and safe space within the christian faith and protestant faith um and so we're just really grateful for the work that she has done is doing and to have her and her husband who was fantastic on the podcast
1: yeah yeah we really hope that's an encouragement to you guys and would highly recommend sharing Mm -hmm. this one and if you haven't listened to the one that Haley mentioned as well the one we've done with sheila before definitely have a listen to that one too Mm -hmm. they're both incredible absolutely incredible conversations enjoy today we have Just such an honor to be re-interviewing a guest that we had on last year. And honestly, one of our favorite guests Mm -hmm. and one of the guests we got the most feedback from people just being encouraged by and challenged by. So we're so excited to be having Sheila Gregoire back on the podcast. And she's brought along with her, her husband, Dr. Keith Gregoire. They have both been working on two different books, which we're going to be chatting to them about in this episode. But Keith is a pediatrician who's passionate about families and marriage. And he's worked alongside Sheila in her ministry with marriage in many, many different ways. So we're ex- so excited to hear from your wisdom today. Thank you so much for making the time. They're over in Canada. It's a lot more complicated when you're trying to do international <laughs> interviews. So we're so grateful for you guys making that time and being willing to talk to us today. Welcome. Thank you. It's um, fun to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for inviting us. Oh, it's our pleasure.
0: And I do want to share at the start that um, last time we had a few friends say, okay, I saw the topic of your podcast and one friend in particular, she's like, when I see Christians and sex, I think I don't want to listen to that because Mm. I just don't agree with nearly everything Mm -hmm. that's taught. And she's like, and then I thought, no, Haley and Amy wouldn't surely share what I don't like about Christians talking about sex. So I'll listen. And she's like, it was so good. This is what we need to be talking about. And I was so mm-hmm. glad because she's like, I'm going to tell all my friends that they need to listen to it. Um, And that's what we love about your work. Yeah. Uh, It's super powerful. So congratulations on your revamped book and your new book, Um, and thank you for the work you've done for them. I first read The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex nine years ago when I was engaged. I found it in our Christian bookstore, and I'm very glad it was the one that I chose to buy because I didn't know much um, or the difference between (laughs) all of the books at the time, Um, but it was a blessing and i learned a lot i was encouraged it was safe so why Sheila did you decide that it needed to be updated and expanded mm-hmm.
2: right so i first wrote the good girls guide to great sex in 2012 and you know i i like a lot of it <laughs> but since i wrote that we've done so much more research so we've surveyed a total of i think 32,000 people now and I've just learned that some of the way I portrayed things was too simplistic and gendered. So even though I talked, for instance, about how sex is supposed to be intimate, I also said things like, you know, men um, men make love in order to feel loved, whereas women need to feel loved in order to make love. And I just did a lot of gendered assumptions, which while those might be true in a lot of cases, they're not necessarily true. And I really found in our surveys that the gendered assumptions hurt people. And so I thought it was more important to talk about principles rather than things that may not actually apply to a lot of couples. Ooh. So I want to do that. And then I also wanted to spend a lot more time talking about orgasms. So <laughs> I to beef up those chapters quite a bit.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's worth the reread. That's what you're saying. Yes. <laughs>
2: yes. That's awesome.
0: That's really good to hear. And I think it's
1: it's really commendable as well for an mm-hmm. author to be willing to do that because that's a huge process, I'm assuming. And it shows a level of integrity. So thank you for Mm. being, being even willing to address it.
2: Yeah. I, it's funny. At first I thought I was just going to kind of take out two chapters and add an extra one and then change a few things. But I think I kept (laughs) all of three sentences. Like I just did (laughs) it. Once I got going, I just changed the whole
1: thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's 10 years of experience and learning and, Mm -hmm. and like you said, with all your research, that's a, a wealth of knowledge to be adding. Mm-hmm. to the resource in the first place. So the other book that we're discussing today is, I'm going to try and get this right. The Good Guys Guide to Great Sex Because Good Guys Make the Great, Lo- great Lovers. Is that mm-hmm. right? Good guys guide mm-hmm. to yes. great sex because great guys, <laughs> good guys make great lovers. Mm-hmm. Got it. So why did you see the need for a men's companion book? And can you tell us why it is that good guys make the
3: Best lovers. <laughs> well, a whole book's about that. So, yeah. <laughs> How just summarizing right? in one sentence. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that the big thing is, is that I think that in the church we've been taught a lot of things that are that have been damaging to people's views of sexuality. Um, like your friend who didn't want to listen to your podcast because she was afraid mm-hmm. of what she might hear. Mm. It's well known that the church segments of the church have taught things that have been harmful and have not helped people. Um, And the thing I think is, is that what women have been taught that is harmful and what men have been taught that is harmful are different things. Mm. So we've both been given some bad information, but the information is different for the different genders. And so we need a book for the guys too, so we can Mm. tackle the issues that the guys specifically are wrestling with.
0: Mm -hmm. And your audience, Sheila, on social media, I would say is predominantly females. Have you found that they have been the ones to share the new book with their husbands or have you had
2: a new male audience come your way? Mm. I think ever since the great sex rescue was published, which was our our book that was out last year, we have had an increasing number of men on Mm. because guys are frustrated too. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys know that the information out there isn't very good and i think people are just looking for something that is healthy one of the issues i that that we are seeing over and over again in the church is that sex is portrayed as what i would call a male entitlement and a female obligation mm-hmm. so men need sex and so women need to provide it so that men can love them and appreciate them and the marriage can be in harmony. <laughs> and <laughs> this, this, is, this, this results in all kinds of craziness in marriage where oh. she's just given duty sex, which she isn't really enjoying because nobody enjoys an obligation. And he doesn't enjoy duty sex because what he really wants is passion yeah. and no one's really satisfied. And so what do we do? We double down on the message. And we say, uh-huh. look, sex isn't very good. And so you need to get a happy about it.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> get happy
2: about it now. <laughs> yes, you'd have more and enjoy it more. So go. And <laughs> and, and we're not really dealing with the root, uh-huh. which is this idea of entitlement and obligation. And also the idea that that men's idea of sex is kind of like the default. So guys tend to find intercourse, at least, fairly simple. <laughs> It works, yes. uh-huh. <laughs> and they tend to enjoy it. And so, when she doesn't enjoy it, the reaction is often, "Well, she must be broken then," or "I guess she's just not as sexual." Uh-huh. And we don't stop to ask, maybe there's something we're missing. And so, the the Good Girls Guide to Great Sex is really about, "Hey, ladies." This was meant for you too. You're supposed to feel good. Mm-hmm. So rah-rah, let's 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 get there. Let's help you get there. Let's help you claim your sexuality. And the book for men is like, okay, guys, look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this isn't that hard for you. But if you want to have a great sex life that she really enjoys too, then it's all about learning how to be a good lover and how and how to make sure that sex is not just about you getting what you want, but is really about something which she enjoys and that benefits the relationship as a whole. Yeah, it's a win-win, mm, the yeah. biggest win-win. And I think that's really interesting. I said this in the last interview
1: with you as well, Sheila, but I really appreciated your tone towards men because I feel like you were really... You weren't like, men are bad, men are bad, and making them feel bad. You were actually like equipping them and inviting them to join this with you and so I I think it's telling that you've seen guys come out of this cloud or whatever and and latch on to the work that you guys have done because why would they want to be portrayed that way and like you said who's going to be satisfied with someone who's just like doing it because they think that they need to like that obligation piece is is huge and it's not just <laughs> for women and so I'm encouraged to hear you say that there are men that are getting on board with it, and I'm encouraged to see the heart that you guys have for helping
0: men get on board with this as well. Mm. So you guys talk about um, the need to redefine the word sex and how commonly, sorry, and how the... I'm trying to read your question and I'm getting um, (laughs) caught up with it. And how the way we commonly think about sex actually contributes to the orgasm gap. What do you mean by that?
3: So. First of all, we should talk about what the orgasm gap is, because mm-hmm. maybe not everyone's has heard that. Um, in, in the studies that Sheila's done, ninety-five um, percent of men report that during any when they have a sexual encounter, they always or almost always orgasm. The the number for women is forty-eight, so there's a forty-seven point gap there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so men are getting a lot of enjoyment out of this, <laughs> women not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, this has come about because I think that we've taught in the church that sex is basically something for men and women's job is really just to provide it. And so uh, we don't stop to think this is something that women are missing out on because we don't really believe that this is something that's for them. I think that's supported by the, the, the findings that we found in our study that when you ask the men who, um, whose wives are orgasming frequently, do you do enough foreplay? Uh, the vast majority say, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, when you ask the men whose wives are not orgasming regularly, do you do enough foreplay? 71% still answer, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. ah. Interesting. And, and yeah. my, my question to those fellas is, you know, how are you defining enough? Mm. <laughs> like, What's your target? <laughs> you know? But mm. the really stunning thing to me was when we asked that question to women of women who are not orgasming. said he doesn't have foreplay. And I think that's because it's not just men, but women have also bought this idea that, Mm. well, I must just be broken. Yeah. This must just not be for me. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do in the Good Guy's Guide is to say to men, if it's not working as easily for your wife as it is for you... Maybe that's because God made her a little different than you and you need to adjust your strategy and you need to do things differently so that it can be good for both of you, because it it can't be good for one of you if it's not good for both of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the whole point of sex is it's supposed to be a mutual experience. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so back to your question about how do you define sex? You know, if someone says to you, did you have sex last night? You know, don't answer that question, by the way. But if if someone said, "Do you have sex last night?" People tend to think very specifically about sexual intercourse. You know, mm-hmm. not to be too crass, but tab A and slot B—that's what people think <laughs> is sex. Yeah. Well, we we know that women do not achieve orgasm as rapidly and easily with sexual intercourse as men do, um, and so it's automatically we're making it a male-centric thing as opposed to a couple-centric thing. Mm. So we really encourage people in the book to think about sex not as just intercourse, but as everything that you do together as a couple sexually in order to increase your enjoyment, your bonding, and and the pleasure that you experience together with each other.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. It's really, um, yeah, it's changing what we all think and have been taught, and it's huge. (laughs)
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of the the big things for me is if you think about the first Corinthians seven passage, which is for me, one of the most weaponized passages in the Bible, it's been used to bash women over the head for years, you know, do not deprive each other. Mm. Um, And so we use that to say, because if your definition of sex is sexual intercourse, it's like, do not deprive each other of sexual intercourse. Except for a time, right? So you need to just give it. That's what that's what it's been done for. But if we have a view of sex which is more holistic, that mm. is something that's supposed to be mutual, intimate, pleasurable for both of you, and we recognize that we have a forty-seven point orgasm gap, it becomes very clear very quickly who the person being deprived is generally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we as guys need to see that verse in a new light and say, hey, I need to stop depriving my wife. I mean, God yeah. made women able to orga- have multiple orgasms. Yeah. Women don't have the same refractory period as men. Women can have prolonged, like several minutes long mm-hmm. orgasms. and mm-hmm. And then we say that, Men are being deprived because we don't have a quickie. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) So we really need to think about this very differently, I Mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm.
2: Can I tell you the story of Tracy and Doug? Yes. I love this story. Okay. So imagine a couple that has been told that the way that Tracy feels love is that they go out for dinner once a week to a restaurant. And so this couple dutifully does that. So one week they go to this restaurant and they order their food and they start chatting and they're talking about their vacation plans for the summer and they're getting along really well. And Tracy's appetizer arrives and it's this lovely French onion soup and she's eating it and she declares it delicious, but nothing comes for Doug and they keep chatting they're talking about what activities the kids are going to do in the next semester and where they want to go for um, their anniversary and then Tracy's steak arrives and it's a wonderful medium rare it's got peppercorn sauce she's slathering the sour cream on the baked potato this is a just a perfect meal and she eats it it's amazing still nothing comes for Doug And then the waitress brings Tracy's molten lava cake and she puts her spoon into the chocolate and it pools on her spoon and it's great. And she's gushing. And just as she's about to finish, Doug's chicken wing appetizer arrives (laughs) and he eats one and then he eats another. And then Tracy stands up and says, man, that was just a wonderful meal. I love doing this with you. And then she walks to the door (laughs) and Doug stands up and looks forlornly at the four chicken wings that are still on his plate. And he follows Tracy out of the restaurant. Now, imagine they do this exact same thing (laughs) week after week for 10 years. How much is Doug gonna like going to restaurants?
3: Not at all. <laughs> and what is wrong with Doug that he doesn't like going to yeah, restaurant now, Imagine
2: in. that Doug is also told There's Nothing wrong with the restaurant. Yeah, imagine exactly. If, imagine if Doug is also told But, Doug, you don't actually need to eat. Mm. All that you really need is the conversation. Yeah. You were just built for conversation. And so, watching Tracy enjoy herself should not bother you mm. because that's not what you were built for. <laughs> Wow. That is so basic. Say it
1: like that, it's just so basic and clear. And yep. the injustice mm-hmm. of those chicken wings. That's so true because I think it's not only just you, you're sitting there enjoying watching somebody else, but yours is finally on the table. It's finally... Nearby, and then it's taken away. Within reach, within (laughs) reach. Yeah. (laughs) And
3: and Sheila has many women who've written to them saying, basically, I've just shut down my sexuality because getting a little bit going and then never getting there is -hmm. just too much for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they've they've just shut it down. Okay, we just do it for him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
3: and I think men don't want that. I I don't think that good Christian men want that in their marriage. Uh, And but the thing is that we've been taught for such a long time that it's. Like Sheila said, an entitlement for us, and it's for us and not for her, that a lot of guys don't even realize that mm. they're being selfish lovers. And they don't understand that that's the case. Wow. Um, yeah. And we're really hoping this book will shake that up and, and make guys mm. be just just amazing lovers in the bedroom. Because <laughs> we think that that you can have an amazing sex life as as a Christian couple if you do mm-hmm. really understand what it's about. Mm-hmm. And, and the book's also very practical too. Not just this, we talk a lot about the philo- philosophy and that sort of thing, but the book's very practical too. It talks a lot about the sexual response cycle, like how the body actually works. Um, because a lot of guys might be okay, okay, I'm with you. I, I want to make this great for my wife, but they have no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, the book talks a lot about the details of that yeah. as well too.
2: And so does the women's, they both do. And and the the aim in both is just to understand that You may not look the same when you're getting aroused, like you don't necessarily get aroused in the same way or at the same tempo. And that doesn't mean that one person is more sexual. This is what's really key to understand. The reason that we think that women take a long time is because men are relatively quick. (laughs) like if men took 45 minutes to orgasm, then women would look like rockets, right? It's not, it's not that we're slow. It's just that in comparison to him, Mm -hmm. women tend to take longer. That's not necessarily true in every relationship, but it's true in most. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, well, if he, if he gets excited faster, if he um, is able to orgasm faster, then he must be more sexual and yet that isn't true at all and just because she takes longer to warm up does not mean she doesn't want sex Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean she can't enjoy it as much as he does and so we just need to understand how our bodies work that's so important
1: yeah and i love that it's practical too because even guys potentially have no idea how to even start but even even explaining that as a woman it's a really and i think one of reasons we're in this situation is it's really hard to explain what you need if you know that it takes so long so i'm glad that it is practical and hopefully yeah super relevant to people that are reading so they can apply it Mm -hmm. so you, you referenced before a study that you did and you guys conducted the largest study of christian men and women to determine their marital and sexual satisfaction um, which was incredible, and we both took part in that. I think. <laughs> Thank on. you. So, I know um, it was
2: super long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually, actually love I love surveys, so it was really good. <laughs> and you don't get surveys about your sexual satisfaction that often, so it was it was a unique one. But what was the most interesting finding from that research for you guys, and how does your how do your books touch on that?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we had one for our women's and one for our men's. Do you want to talk about the lust one?
3: Yeah, sure. I can talk about the lust one for yeah. the guys first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean. It was somewhat surprising, but not really surprising, so I think it'll surprise a lot of other people, but it kind of confirmed what we thought we were going to find mm-hmm. so the big thing with the message of lust is all to the church, this message is that all men struggle with lust it's every man's battle we We see that all the time, and it's it's been touted everywhere. now the thing is in the great sex rescue that Sheila did, she showed demonstrably that women who believe this, even women who have heard it, mm-hmm. but don't believe it, are harmed by this teaching. This teaching hurts women's sexual satisfaction. It decreases trust in the relationship. It causes libido to tank. Mm-hmm. It does all these horrible things. It's a terrible, terrible teaching, right? But yet everyone still keeps doubling down on But all men do lust. That's what they say. Women just have to learn to adjust because all men do lust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we we didn't think that was true and i think the reason is we think there's there's two things going on the first thing is is i think that a lot of times we are confusing lust and just normal attraction Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. right and and i think that that's that's the first thing um i'll tell you the second thing after i finish telling you what we did with the study so in the study we asked the question quite simply we said do you have a struggle with lust? We just asked the men bluntly, mm-hmm. and seventy five percent said yes, they struggle with lust on a daily basis, which is a big number. But again, it's not a hundred percent. So the whole idea that it's every man's battle, well twenty five percent of men are like, "Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, it's like. You know, of course, the Everman's battle. People would say, "Well, those twenty five percent struggle with lying." <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but but we we want we thought there was something else going on. So we actually asked specific questions. Like we gave vignettes where we said, "Okay, so here is a situation, and what would you do in this situation?" And we used, for instance, an ex- example of a woman in a gr- in a grocery store parking lot bending over to get her child out of the car seat before you, she goes into the grocery store, and you see her. And would you do this? Would you take a mental picture of her for later? Would you, you know, like lust after we, all these things? We sort of, we did these things. What would you do? And most guys would just go into the grocery store and finish their list. right? And
2: it, but I need to say the reason we chose that, that is because that was an actual example in every man's battle oh, of, of guys struggling with women, taking yeah. children out of car yeah. seats and grocery store parking So lines. just yeah. leave so, your kids yeah. in the car seats, girls. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, exactly. Up the oh. men. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the vignettes came from Christian books. Mm-hmm. The So Every Man's mm-hmm. Battle, some of the some of the books from Shanti Feldon mm-hmm. as well, too. Mm-hmm. And the thing is is we wanted to be true to the actual vignette and we wanted to give every option, including the ones presented in the Christian book. So some of our answers were I would go into my car and masturbate. Mm-hmm. Because that was what was put <laughs> in the Christian books. Yeah, I know. You're shaking your head, you know, and you're right. Nobody chose that. Rightly so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: very glad to hear it.
3: (laughs) But we we were thinking people are going to think we're crazy and perverted that we're going to put this here. But we really wanted to say, look, this is but we're laughing. But this is what our Christian bestsellers are saying. Mm -hmm. This is what our Christian bestsellers are saying. Perhaps you have um, let a woman go up the stairs ahead of you, but not to be honorable because you want to check her out as she goes up the stairs. Perhaps you've sat in your rented car outside a gym and watched women bouncing in and out and then masturbated in your car. Like, that's what it says Good in grief. Every Man's Battle. Like, wow. it's just wow. crazy. So Oddly uh-huh. specific. But it, 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 it is. Yeah. Like, okay.
1: We know one person that did this. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
3: But, but, we, but we, anyway, we, we presented these things and we said, do you lust? And so, and the thing is, I won't give you all the, the numbers and stuff, but the, uh-huh. the vast majority of men, it, over, like 50% of the men who say they lust on a daily basis, uh-huh. did not struggle with lust in anything that we would call lust in any of the scenarios. Mm. We we also thought well maybe they're, they're actually struggling with porn, so we we took men who had a struggle with porn too, and we said let's remove them. But still, like half of the men who said they reported. -hmm. A daily struggle with lust showed no evidence and did not have a relationship with porn, Mm -hmm. and so to me the key this is what we're telling men we're telling men you are struggling with lust because number one, like I said earlier, we're confusing normal attraction with lust, and the second thing is is we're reinforcing we're teaching men to lust that we're teaching lust as part of being a man, Mm -hmm. and that is a horrible horrible thing. When Sheila says things like about all men don't have to lust, she's had pastors. Tell her, how dare you say all men don't lust? That's shaming men. And mm-hmm. she was like, have you read where Paul says put lust to death? <laughs> like, it's like the Bible says we're supposed to put lust to death. Like, where did we get to the point in the church where we said it's an incurable sin that all men will have from the day they go into puberty to the day they die? This doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense.
0: But shaming them, telling them that they're lusting yeah. every yeah. day. yeah.
3: And so what happens is we've created two tracks for men. The tract where you are a decent guy who sees a beautiful woman and notices her wonderful body and says, oh, I'm such a horrible, lustful man. I'm so sinful and disgusting. And you're just a normal guy. And we've created a second track where you can look at a woman and see her as a piece of meat. And you get to go, oh, well, that's just the way God made me. And you're excused for doing that. Mm -hmm. And this is a terrible tragedy because we punish the good men. And we get let the bad men go scot free, and it needs to change.
1: That is so. And even actually, after um, reading the the Great Sex Rescue and talking to you, Sheila, I've been watching your stuff come out on social media and the little quotes that you adjust, and I send them <laughs> to Haley, and Haley sends them to me all the mm-hmm. time because I'm just like, what? And some of this stuff I read, or like my friends read, and it didn't even trigger a single flag. At the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in the water. And it's just wild what we just accepted and thought was like normal. And I, it really breaks my heart for guys to hear you talk about this world that we've created for them and, and this name that we've put on them and mm-hmm. the pressure that that must put on them too. Because pressure and or excuse, as you said, mm-hmm. like, that's just ridiculous. And how did we get here? I don't,
3: it's How did we get to the point where wild. a Christian book says in its book, men just don't have the Christian view of sex. Mm-hmm. And what? What? this is a Christian book, and nobody mm-hmm. said, w- w- what, what?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like Every Young Man's Battle, which is a book that youth groups often use, mm-hmm. um, says it talks about uh, you'll be walking down the hall at school and a pair of bouncing breasts mosey by. I didn't know breasts had feet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, just do, what What are they doing? Are they just sort of like, are the breasts just in the air?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And again, like, again, you know,
2: how can you describe a teenage girl merely in terms of her breasts? Mm-hmm. Like, that is objectification. And yet this is the yeah. book. The book that we are giving to teenage boys to teach them not to lust actually teaches them how to objectify women. And so yeah. this is what we need to get away from.
3: Well, because because this is the issue is is that the objectification of women is the, is the wrong thing. I mean, lust is the objectification of women. And so what we've taught in the Christian church is not stop objectifying women. We've taught, you know, you have the choice of either objectifying women or not looking at them at all. So don't look at them mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why in the church we haven't gone with the option of learn to not objectify women. It has to do with our view of women in the church. Um, but that's mm. another podcast probably. <laughs>
0: next year so you've just explained um the difference between lust and attraction but uh, there's often myths and misunderstandings about porn as well and often that porn is just a man's struggle not a woman's struggle as well um how do you encourage couples to get real about recovery and what's your encouragement to them
2: yeah again it isn't just a guy's struggle So we Mm -hmm. need to remember that, Mm -hmm. that a lot of women um, use porn as well. This is a really difficult conversation. um, And we need to be very careful with it. Because I'm worried that some of the way we talk about porn makes everything very defeatist. Like once you've watched porn, you will never have the sex life you were meant to have. You've wrecked everything forever. Because if that's what we tell people... And we also know that upwards of like 80 85 percent of teenagers are gonna see porn then do we really believe 80 to 85 percent of teens can never have the sex life they were meant to have like we need to be very careful with how we talk about this and our studies did show that if you watch porn in the past but you stop You, and you get rid of any kind of entitlement towards sex so you get rid of the pornified style of relating you really can enjoy a sex life in a marriage which is just about as good as if you had never watched porn at all. Like it's not that statistically different, especially if you stop before marriage, but even if you stop once you are married. And so I I do want to reinforce that, that it's not like you are wrecked forever. Um, And, and that's what Jesus is all about, right? Like the Absolutely, whole point yeah. is that, is that there is renewal and there is forgiveness and there is, um, there's just rebirth. And, and so I, I really want people to understand that you haven't wrecked everything forever. Um, also, you know, the numbers are not as bad as we often hear. <laughs> yeah, we found we found that 50%, just about 50% of married evangelical men are currently watching porn, which is bad. I'm not saying that's that's okay. Like that's bad. Most of them are using it intermittently or rarely, again, still bad. But it's not 80% because we often hear 80% quoted. If you look at under under age 30, you do see a lifetime use of roughly eighty percent, it's a little higher than that. So you know, over their lifetime, over their lifetime, you know, eighty-three percent. But it doesn't mean they're using it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so that is really important to distinguish between those those things. Um, and then I I think when it comes to recovery, we just need to understand that white knuckling it or just trying harder, <laughs> that isn't that doesn't work. Like shame shame filled messages don't work. You know, what what works is just getting real with yourself, um, getting into some therapy, getting real with your with your spouse, um, because porn has effects on us. Like Michael John Cusick, who wrote an amazing book called Surfing for God, um, he says that porn allows a man to feel strong without having to be strong. You know, and porn helps you feel connected without having to connect Mm -hmm. so it gives you this positive feedback without actually making you do any real work (laughs) and so when we start to understand okay wait a minute i am using a counterfeit here for an emotional wound that i have and i'm covering up my real emotional needs and i have to get real about what i need um and i have to learn to express that you know to a counselor to your spouse whatever that's really the route through is to understand that yeah i i've covered stuff up with porn have you seen any link between the women that have turned off their sexuality
0: with their partner and then their use of porn to i guess get some kind of satisfaction oh yeah that's not coming from their
2: husband that's a good, well that was the whole thing when 50 shades of gray came out too right a couple of years ago is is women were reading this like crazy because it was you know it was a way to to feel sexy, even when their husbands weren't doing anything for them. So it was this escape and this release. And again, you know, what really feeds the sexual relationship and sexual desire is vulnerability. Okay. It's that idea that I can be completely open with you, that you see everything about me, even my flaws, and you still accept me and you know me. And that's what fuels desire. Um, and when we're not able, to be emotionally vulnerable with our spouses, then often we use counterfeits to get that vulnerability. I think that's often where a lot of the Fifty Shades of Grey stuff comes in. You know, we can't be emotionally vulnerable, and so we'll be like physically vulnerable and all the weird sex stuff that comes in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But, you know, when we learn how to be truly open with each other and really connect on that heart level, that's often when our sexuality kicks back in.
1: That's good. It's interesting the um what you just said before about men or about people using sex they don't, they can be they don't have to put in much work to get I guess the result that they're looking for basically. I wonder what the correlation will be between people that use something like pornography and have that kind of reinforced in their brain and people like we've been discussing this whole podcast that men who have not had to work for you know, pleasing their women and have reinforced in their brain they don't have to work hard for this thing, or they don't have not hard. I don't want to make it sound like it's hard, but they don't have to do anything. Yeah. You know, effort. they don't have to put effort in. But
2: there is it a big correlation. We did yeah. find that yeah. is that guys who use porn do less foreplay. They're less satisfied with the with their wife's adventure level in bed. Um, mm-hmm. They're just less satisfied overall. So yeah, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and and all of that to me indicates an, uh, a, a mentality of sex is about taking rather than sex is about giving because Mm -hmm. the whole point of sex, you know, from a Christian perspective should be what we're giving to each other. Um, And and yet Sheila has women coming in to her podcast, uh, sorry, commenting in her, in her chat boxes and stuff saying, my husband says that the Bible teaches that we're supposed to use each other's bodies for sex. Oh, great. Like that's the mentality that's out there. Wow. Um, and, And you know, the first time that sex is mentioned in the Bible um, it says, and Adam knew his wife, Eve, and they conceived a son, right? And we all laugh and we think that's a euphemism and God's, a sh- God's embarrassed and doesn't want to say the real thing. <laughs> uh, God knew what he, d- he was doing when he wrote the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. The word know there is, this, is the same word in Hebrew as when David says, search me and know me. Know my inmost thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Sex is not just physical. Sex is emotional mm-hmm. and spiritual. We know this. You know, even guys know this too. Guys are very vulnerable. Guys don't like to be turned down because we know it's a vulnerable, emotional, spiritual thing. It's not just a physical thing, mm-hmm. right? But so much, so mm-hmm. much of the church is about how sex is just about a man's physical release. It's such an anemic, mm-hmm. weak version of sex. It does not begin to touch the richness of what god intended for this um, this this to be Mm.
1: so for couples that are looking to answer the question is this all there is to sex Or couples listening to this and like we really want to transform our sex lives what is one action step that you guys suggest they can take today
0: to work towards that
3: Mm -hmm. well i I would say with what sheila was saying earlier is increasing you know your vulnerability your emotional availability to Mm -hmm. each other um you know because it's not just about what happens in the bedroom it's about Great sex is the culmination of a great relationship. Um, It's the culmination of Mm -hmm. of a deep and intimate partnership that the two of you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say start with just increasing your connection with each other. That's easier said than done, though. And and so I'll give you a very practical way of doing that. We talk about this in the book. Um, You know, especially and again, I don't mean to bash guys, but especially guys have a hard time discussing emotions. And it's not I don't blame guys because we just aren't taught. Um, women Mm -hmm. are taught to express their emotions Mm -hmm. and they're, when women express emotions, we encourage it We're like, Oh, good for you. You're expressing your emotions. When guys express emotions, we say, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You So, so, but here's a a, a non-threatening way for you as a, as a husband with your wife to express your emotions at the end of the day, just sit down together, the two of you and say, what was the time today where I felt the most just energized in the groove, you know, God was working through me, I felt his presence, things were, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then when was the time when you felt the most frustrated, defeated, you know, discouraged? And, and, and why did you feel that way in each of those situations? And just have that kind of a discussion. And it just can take you to such, you know, it's hard as a busy couple, you know, especially when you have young kids, when you've got all these things in your life, a career and so many different hats you're wearing to actually deeply connect at an emotionally intimate level. And this is just a quick exercise Mm -hmm. that can just take you to very deep levels of communication in a non-threatening way very quickly
2: yeah so that's that, yeah, that's one thing. Let me say one thing now too. this is this is a little bit more about sex. But I think one of the best things we can do is learn about the sexual response cycle. Mm. And I we've got that covered in detail in both books, but it's something that we don't always understand because, um mm-hmm. basically if if she wants to get to orgasm, her body has to go through several different stages. You know excitement, which is when, if things are just starting to warm up, you're starting to get tingly. Um, it's when you like to kiss and touch and and run your you know fingers along the inside of her arm or whatever it might be. And then there's arousal where she's actually getting really lubricated. Um, breathing gets heavier. That's when you want your erogenous zones touched. And then you work your way up to orgasm. And the problem is we read books on sex that say things like, the clitoris was designed for women's pleasure, and so you need to stimulate the clitoris. And so you go to have sex, and the first thing you do is you go right for the clitoris. <laughs> and if you go for the clitoris when she's not even excited yet, it's gonna feel invasive. Like the whole thing just feels like a big pap smear, okay, which is not a fun thing to undergo. So, you want to wait. Don't go to the erogenous zones until her body is asking for it. Mm. And learning mm. what the sexual response cycle looks like is so much better. It's not about learning technique, although technique is important, and we go through all of that, but it the the point is not technique as much as it is learning to work with her body. and you know understanding how her body works. And it might work differently on different nights, you know, at different times in her cycle, Uh if she's breastfeeding, um, if she's going through menopause, if she's going through stress, his body might work differently if he's going through stress. So just learning how to work Uh with your bodies and paying attention to your bodies instead of seeing sex like a paint by number thing, where, you know, I do this and this and this and this and that and and it's supposed to look like this. um, and, And realize that no, each time it's just about paying attention to each other. Ah, And that Mm. that really is the key. Yeah. That's awesome. They are great tips. Yeah, great actions. Well,
0: thank you so much to both of you for your time, your wisdom, your expertise, your research. Our audience is predominantly women. But we really hope and pray that this is the kind of podcast that you can say to your husband, hey, this will be a great lesson and we should read the book together or side by side um, and that together it can make marriages healthier and happier and just better in all ways. Yeah, thank you
1: so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing on behalf of Mm -hmm. couples out there all across the world. We really appreciate it. I know it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's been really tough for you guys, mm-hmm. but you're doing an incredible ministry. Thank you. One of these days
2: we shall get back to Australia. Oh, yes. We would love that. We love, so, we love Australia. Will. Will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If anyone knows of any churches that want to host, let us know because we would love an excuse to 100%. get back to Australia. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and travel is now on the Now we're open again. It is starting to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If people
2: wanted to find you, where can they find you? Yes. So, um... You can go to to tolovehonorandvacuum.com is my blog. Uh, I blog there pretty much every Mm -hmm. day. We have the Bare Marriage Podcast out every Thursday. Um, And if you go to to tolovehonorandvacuum.com, there's links to our books, Uh, the new ones, The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Um, There's links to The Great Sex Rescue. Our courses, we have an orgasm course, a libido course, a course on how to talk to your kids about sex and puberty. They're all there as well, Um, as well as all my social media links. So that's a great way to just find everything yeah fantastic fantastic and amy and i have been big fans of your blog
0: for many years which we have shared but really it's like okay i'm thinking about this sheila will have um, (laughs) written something about (laughs) this and sure enough (laughs) you're our go-to so thank you again thank you
3: thanks for inviting us and
0: until next time this is our village thank you for joining us today on this is our village If you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to like, subscribe and review, and please share it with any mums that you think might benefit from this community. This is our village, but we'd love it to be your village too.